Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. We are continuing our series of fantasy football team previews, going through every team in the NFL through a fantasy football perspective so that you know who is on everyone's roster and what to expect from all of their positional groups in terms of projecting out the NFL season. Of course, if you want more projections and rankings and premium content from the people who are delivering you this Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast, you should head to rotoexperts.com and check out our NFL 365 package for $39.99. You are able to gain access to our projections, our premium content, our rankings, our customizable cheat sheet, our best ball tools, our ultimate guide to winning draft best ball leagues, and our ultimate guide to zero RB drafting. I really do think that it probably is the absolute best value that you're going to get on any fantasy football website, and I think after listening to these podcasts, you will definitely want more information and you will definitely want to check out uh, more of what we have going on over at Roto Experts. And now let's go ahead and get into projecting the Cincinnati Bengals. At the quarterback position, they have Andy Dalton, who is going to be backed up by Ryan Finley and Jeff Driscoll. Of course, every offseason, there is always some talk over benching Andy Dalton. I don't think that that is going to be the case this year. Last year was was one of the worst years of his career in terms of adjusted yards per attempt. He threw 21 touchdown passes and 11 interceptions in 11 healthy games. Uh, that was right about what he did in 2017. His 2016 season and his 2015 season, these were legitimately good quarterbacking seasons. Uh, 7.5 adjusted yards per attempt, and the 2015 season, 8.9 adjusted yards per attempt over 13 games. The biggest change, of course, in Cincinnati is the coach. Uh, Marvin Lewis is now gone. Zach Taylor is now the head coach. He's going to be in charge of calling plays. And I would actually say this is probably one of the more under-the-radar developments that's happening in fantasy football. We have seen head coaching changes be able to make a massive difference in the efficacy of offenses, and we've seen it in both ways. The Arizona Cardinals had a pretty physically talented offense last year, and Steve Wilkes and Mike McCoy ran that offense into the ground. Uh, on the converse, we saw the difference between uh, b- between Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin last year. We saw things really change for the Browns offense when Freddie Kitchens took over. We saw how good the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense was when Todd Munkin started calling plays. And of course, that is ignoring the obvious example of the Sean McVay Rams, which is actually where Zach Taylor was coaching for the last two seasons. Is Zach Taylor the next Sean McVay? I would guess that he probably is not, right? Like, he's probably not going to have that big of an impact. The Bengals roster is not the most talented defensive roster, although I would argue that the offense is pretty good, right? Like, I think Andy Dalton can have a really good fantasy football season given the weapons that they have on offense. So, Andy Dalton, I mean, he's like everyone's like like quarterback 28. He's like the last guy who's taken in draft best ball leagues. He's probably not going to be drafted at all in most 12-team, like, weekly management leagues. I would guess in, like, the FFPC main event and stuff, uh, uh, he's probably, like, not going to be drafted, 
I would most of the time in a, in a in a weekly management league with waiver wire moves and everything. Andy Dalton not going to be drafted. Do I think that he probably has some upside to be a top twelve quarterback this year? I'll be honest. I'm going to put it on the record. I do. I actually do think that that is a reasonable outcome for Andy Dalton. I don't see like a huge market difference in Andy Dalton and let's say Jared Goff's skill set. You know, I think Goff probably is like a little bit better of a decision maker, is a little bit better when he's under pressure, but basically. This is coming down to, do I think that Zach Taylor can be a really good NFL coach? And uh, I I do. I do think that he can be a good NFL coach. I don't know if he'll be as good as Sean McVay. I don't know if he will be able to optimize the Bengals personnel the same way that uh, Sean McVay was able to optimize the Rams personnel. But I am pretty high on just hiring offensive-minded head coaches. The one thing that does give me some hesitance about going like all-in on Zach Taylor in the Bengals as being like a better offense, a better team overall, is that Zach Taylor is like a legacy hire. He is like married into the overarching NFL family. He was sort of given jobs at the Rams due to the connections that he had uh, to the league and to the organization. And the same is true with the Bengals. He's like connected to the family that owns the Bengals. So there definitely is like a little bit of, of nepotism or, you know, NFL culture going on here. And that could end up not being great. But Andy Dalton, uh, in terms of like third quarterback, I definitely like Andy Dalton more than like Derek Carr or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I think that like a 3,800 yard, uh, 28 touchdown season, something like that. Like that, I think that is in play for Andy Dalton. And I would guess that a lot of projection systems and ranking systems are lower on him than that. So moving on to the running back grouping now, we have Joe Mixon backed up by Giovanni Bernard with rookies Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson on the roster. Seems like Rodney Anderson probably just not going to play at all this year. He's likely to be on the IR or the physically unable to perform list for most of the season. Joe Mixon is the clear lead back here. 237 rushing attempts last year in 14 games. Only 56 rushing attempts in 12 games for Giovanni Bernard last year, and that includes a 17 and 19 touch game when Joe Mixon was out injured. 55 targets in 14 games for Mixon last year. 48 targets in 12 games for Giovanni Bernard last year. Neither of them really were particularly effective because a lot of what was happening in the passing game was targets for Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, C.J. Uzama, Joe, John Ross. Uh, the, the Bengals really were super banged up on offense last year. Tyler Boyd didn't play 16 games. A.J. Green only played 9 games. Uh, John Ross only played 13 games. Uh, really, the, the players on offense who played 16 games who had a role at all were CJ Uzama and Alex Erickson. Everyone else was uh, just a variety of banged up or shut down or whatever. Mixon is a really interesting candidate, though, because basically when you're drafting a running back at the tail end of the first round, the start of the second round, middle of the second round, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be the lead back on a good NFL offense. You know, uh, Mike Taglieri just posted an article on Fantasy Pros about basically to finish as a top 12 running back, you have to be on an offense that finishes in the top half of the league in scoring, a lot of projections are not going to have the Cincinnati Bengals in the top half of the league in scoring, but Joe Mixon's ADP suggests either he's going to buck that trend or the volume is going to be so overwhelming that it won't really matter. And I actually think that first part of that is probably more likely to be true. Uh, Mixon on a, a bad Bengals team last year had 280 touches, 
5.2 yards per touch, four th- uh, 1,400 total yards, nine touchdowns. He probably actually ran a little bad on touchdowns, only eight rushing touchdowns on uh, uh, right about 1,200 rushing yards. So that's like a little bit below average, uh, probably a little bit of touchdown regression there. And uh, yeah, he got he got some vultured by like Jeff Driscoll and uh, Giovanni Bernard scoring some of those rushing touchdowns. So Giovanni Bernard scored three rushing touchdowns on 211 rushing yards. So definitely some ups. Side for Mixon, he's not a guy I found myself taking a lot of the times, though, because you look at taking Joe Mixon there in the second round, and then you look at the receivers that you're able to take, and sometimes you're able to take Julio Jones over Joe Mixon. Sometimes you can take Odell Beckham over Joe Mixon. Sometimes you can take Juju Smith-Schuster over Odell Be- uh, over Joe Mixon, and I think those are all choices I would rather make. I would really rather focus in on those wide receivers than take Joe Mixon. So you know, maybe I only end up with Joe Mixon on 15% of my best ball teams or something like that and uh or maybe even less right and I, I I'm okay with that decision I don't think that Joe Mixon is a league winning type player I don't know I don't, I don't really think that he has like a, a 19 touchdown season in his range of outcomes the way that Todd Gurley had last year I, I don't know if he has a 380 touch season in his range of outcomes the way someone like Ezekiel Elliott might uh you know I think even like so think about James Conner and Le'Veon Bell versus Joe Mixon because those are two choices you will probably have to make James Conner plays on a better offense, plays on a better team, more likely to be in positive game scripts. James Conner could score. James Conner's like 90th percentile outcome is is like 21 touchdowns. That's like a real thing that could happen. Uh, You know, Jalen Samuels hasn't had, I believe the stat is he hasn't had more than like uh, 100 carries in a season since he was in high school or something. Jalen Samuels is uh, probably a a satellite back. And James Conner's going to get a lot of that work. He's the grinder. Benny Snell probably is a rookie. He's not going to like push. James Conner for starting work. Now, I would actually see a pretty real case for Joe Mixon over Le'Veon Bell because you could just say, look, I don't believe in the Jets offense. I don't think that Sam Darnold is mega elite. And I think that Adam Gase is, doesn't, didn't really want to sign Le'Veon Bell, didn't really want him there. And also just calls that super slow offensive pace. And a super slow offensive pace is not going to be optimal for Le'Veon Bell in fantasy. So I, I, I think that Mixon is better than Le'Veon Bell but I think also I also would say Le'Veon Bell's like top end range of outcomes is probably a little better because what if Darnold is good? What if Adam Gase calls plays at a pace more similar to what was happening when he was the offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning? Like I think those things could happen. I don't think that they are particularly likely and I don't really like drafting Le'Veon Bell but I, I would say that he does probably have a higher ceiling than Joe Mixon just because I think there's a, a much better chance that the Jets end up being like a good to like I, I think the Jets could win like nine games and I just I just don't know if the Cincinnati Bengals have the ability to win nine games unless Zach Taylor is you know Sean McVay, right? He'd have to be this super amazing coach for them to get there. So that is the running back room. Um and Giovanni Bernard is like a good uh, satellite back. You know what you're getting. He might get one or two starts throughout the course of the year with Joe Mixon if he gets injured. Travion Williams, probably not a guy that you're taking in best balls or anything because I think his route of playing time is so slim. But if there is an injury sustained to either Mixon or Bernard, I do think Williams pretty likely to get in there and play. Like I said, Rodney Anderson probably not going to play at all this year. So, And Travion is a, a pretty good guy to, to be 
be targeting in your dynasty drafts, or especially maybe like week nine and Travion has been, he's been a game day inactive once. Maybe he has like eight carries or something. I think that's like a really good time to trade for Travion Williams in your dynasty league because he was a prospect that I did really like. Going to the wide receivers, A.J. Green, I think he's a pretty obvious value where he's going now. You can get him at the end of the third round, start of the fourth round. That you know, he's just going to be a good pick there. Uh, there's just almost no chance that he doesn't pay off unless he completely falls off on a cliff. He had 77 targets in nine games last year, six touchdowns in those games, was averaging nine yards per target, which was close to best on the team. Uh, it was really just Boyd, Eifert in four games, and AJ Green, and then a significant drop off to everyone else. I don't, I don't have anything new under the sun to say about AJ Green. He just, he is a good pick, and he is now unfortunately. Unfortunately, going to be entering into his age 31 season, stuff starts to happen when you turn 31 and you've suffered lower body injuries. He's clearly on the downslope of his career, a guy I would be thinking about selling in Dynasty after the season begins. I wouldn't sell him in Dynasty now because I think his value is his value is lower, like his perceived value is lower than his actual value because when the season starts, uh, you know, it's going to be a more creative offense and I, I do project him to have like a, a pretty good season, but uh, you know, we, we just know what happens with guys who are his age. It's just a, a sort of a natural decline. The other wide receivers on their offense, I'll be honest, I really liked Tyler Boyd as a prospect. I actually had him on some teams last year when he had that surprising top 20 wide receiver finish. He had uh, over a thousand receiving yards. He had seven receiving touchdowns, had a really high catch rate, actually the highest catch rate on the team other than the running backs. And, you know, I, I just it's very hard for me to take him this year because you know we're we're projecting a healthy AJ Green season and I don't think that John Ross is completely dead and players like Tyler Boyd who are like not particularly explosive really do need like a 100 target plus season and our our projections have Boyd as like a, a not horrible value where he's going I just think uh, there's there's just something that sort of leaves me cold about Tyler Boyd's current ADP, and I understand that he had a, you know he just had like a really good year last year, and that sort of play should be rewarded. It's not like you know we we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't condemn him for having a good season. We shouldn't give him like a, a round twelve ADP coming off of what he did. I just I just do I think that there's probably a lack of ceiling there, especially if AJ Green is able to stay healthy for the entire season. Uh, you know if if AJ Green and John Ross are both healthy and active, and Tyler Eifert for that matter. If they're both healthy and active for 16 games, I just don't know if there's a, a way that Tyler Boyd really pays off his ADP. John Ross, I mean, you guys know at this point, he was really not good last season, but actually scored seven receiving touchdowns despite only catching 36% of his targets. He had a horrible 3.6 yards per target. You know, I mean, he's just not very good. That being said, he's still a guy that I take in the 18th round of my draft best balls because I do think he is a starting wide receiver. I think there's a small chance that the new coaching staff is able to use his breathtaking speed in a creative way. And I think that, uh, you know, sort of a, a post post hype sleeper breakout could come out for John Ross because, you know, he just didn't play at all really as a rookie. He was just kind of bad overall last year, despite the touchdowns, uh, 1.6 receptions per game and 13 games, you know, just not, not a great season overall, but the pedigree is there. The speed is there. The new coaching staff is there. And if you don't think that Andy Dalton is completely horrible as a quarterback and can like make guys. Okay. There is some reason for optimism. I and mean, 
in John Ross, and he's a guy, he is a guy, like, at the back end of the draft, you're looking at, like, John Ross, Dylan Kentrell, Quincy Inunua, Marquise Goodwin. I think he has, like, sort of a similar ability to produce spiked weeks as some of those guys, and for that reason, I'm I'm pretty good taking him, uh, you know, in the last round of my draft when I need a seventh wide receiver. Finally, the tight end position, they have Tyler Eifert, CJ Uzama, and they drafted a blocking tight end. Drew Sample onto the team. Don't think we will see much of Sample this year. Tyler Eifert is a really interesting player for fantasy football purposes. Uh, He played in only four games last year, had 19 targets in those games, played in only two games in 2017, had five targets in those two games before getting hurt, played in only eight games in 2016, had 47 targets and five touchdowns in those eight games, and in 2015, he played in 13 games and had 13 touchdowns. So, That's the sort of player that we're dealing with. We are dealing with a guy who, if he somehow miraculously stayed healthy for even 10 games, this guy has the ability to probably win you your league, right? Because getting round five production from a round 13 fantasy football pick is really a way to get things done. And Eifert is one of the few tight ends who just has a path to clearly, there will be no competition if he stays healthy. He is still recovering from surgery to repair his ankle. And it's like not super clear if he's going to be able to play in week one. But if he is ready to go, if he's out there in training camp, getting some snaps in the preseason, it's going to be hard for me to not have Eifert as one of like my most invested in players because if he sucks, if he gets hurt, I'm just going to cut him. I'm just going to drop him. But the upside with Eifert is like the upside with Eifert is better than the upside for Jack Doyle or Darren Waller or Cameron Brait or Jason Witten, right? Like because we know he can just straight up be one of the four or five best tight ends in fantasy football if he is able to stay healthy. Uh, CJ Uzama, though, that's a guy you should keep on the waiver wire speed dial because there's probably a pretty good chance that uh, he will need to come out and play at some point in the year because Eifert is made of glass. And not that this has anything to do with fantasy, but I do just want to give a shout out to my German boy, Moritz Boehringer. Uh, He probably is going to, uh, well, he's transitioned to tight end and he might end up playing at some point this year. And I guess I did skip over one other wide receiver worth mentioning. Stanley Morgan Jr. Uh, was a prospect that I liked coming out of Nebraska. I believe he signed as an undrafted free agent. Uh, if he makes a roster, he's like a pretty interesting guy in deeper dynasty leagues. So that is going to do it for us here at the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. This was the Cincinnati Bengals Fantasy Football Team Preview. Make sure to check us out on rotoexperts.com. You can get 10% off of the NFL 365 package on rotoexperts.com that has our expert project rankings, customizable cheat sheets, and premium content. And uh, I would encourage you to check that out right now. And we will see you back tomorrow for another team preview.